Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. God bless you. God bless you. What a pleasure. Let's, let's just bow our heads first, all right? Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for being in this precious house of God that you have called, set apart, and appointed unto yourself in this last day to raise up young men and young women, people of all ages, Father God, with an anointing to go forth and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're grateful for that today. We ask God that you would look on what you have placed inside of me. Let the anointing on the inside of me rise up to a level that will overflow and be a blessing to God's people today. For you know the destiny and the future that you have appointed to this house, Father God. Let me be of assistance to it in whatever way that you deem necessary. We ask that you would save and that you would fill and that you would just cause people to be delivered and set free through the power of the word of God. We take authority over the powers of darkness and everything that you would try to do to hinder the word from going into the inner hearts of God's people. We say that our hearts are prepared and that they are going to bring forth fruit and that fruit is going to remain until Jesus comes. And all the glory and all the honor and all the praise is definitely given to you because you are God and beside you there is none other. In the mighty name of Jesus we have prayed. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, it's just it's a blessing uh, to be here first. We give honor to the presence of the Lord. And then we give honor to the pastor of this house, uh, Pastor P.D., <laughs> amen, as we call him, amen, Pastor Dwayne, uh, and to his lovely wife, amen, and children. God bless you, Courtney. God bless you. And I certainly couldn't leave it just there. We are so grateful for um, his mother. God bless you. Amen. What a pleasure it is to have you in the house and the ministry. Uh, I didn't recognize her. I hadn't seen her in quite a while and uh, to know who she was. But I remember uh, in the camp retreat uh, we, that I used to go to when he was the youth pastor. And one year, uh, she, uh, myself, his mother, and, and his father that's gone on to be with the Lord, and Dr. O., we were we were rappers. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> we were rappers. We had on our jeans and our hoodies and all this other kind of stuff. And it was so cute. Uh, her husband was leading a song. I don't know what it was. I think it was the blood of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And we started rapping off in the name of Jesus, the best we could do. And I came out with some part and stepped forward on the... On, on the stage, and all the young people jumped up and ran towards the stage, and I was like, ah, what am I doing? <laughs> My age caught up with me right then and there. Okay, can you turn this light out down here? That one right there, is it possible? I thank you. I'm a little too old for that. Okay. All right. <laughs> the glare. All right. So anyway, I, I have long wanted to see the congregation. God bless you to all of you that are in leadership, all you precious young people, wherever you are from. It is indeed a pleasure. You have been in my thoughts, certainly have been in my prayers, as he and his wife 
have been down through the years. I can't remember when I first met uh, he and Courtney. It's been so many years. Uh, it's just like people that you've known all your life, all their life, all right? But let me say, y'all are indeed blessed to have them for the simple reason Pastor D is one of the finest people you're going to ever meet. There is no guile in him. There's no evil. There's no egotistical uh, uh, desire to step on top of you to be the best and the greatest and the latest. None of that abides in this young man or his wife. They both love the Lord with all of their hearts. Yes, indeed. That's a good place to, to applaud. And so you have good leadership here. He does hear from God, and he's a praying person. And uh, that's, that is for sure. And so uh, God called him out. I always knew he would be a pastor. And uh, you don't go according to your church by numbers. Okay? If that's the case, uh, Jesus was ineffective because he basically had 12 people. All right? You don't count the numbers. God appoints uh, uh, he gives one, one gift, he gives another one, but the, the reward is the same. And you have to just be faithful. And the Lord spoke to me about two weeks ago, and myself and two other women, we were in prayer. And uh, uh, we were on the phone because one of them comes from the New England states. And one of the things that God said was, he said, I am about to bless the small churches. He said the small churches, the average size churches. And it wasn't that he had, he said, I can't remember just the exact wordage, but it wasn't because he had something against mega churches. A lot of times in mega churches, and I'm not against them either, but uh, uh, the point is you don't want to get lost in the crowd. You need, to, you need a leader that knows your face, knows that you're not sitting in the congregation when you're not sitting there. Uh, somebody that can track you down, care for your soul, call you up and say, I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks, uh, that kind of thing. And so there's, there's not a lot of accountability in the, the 5,000, 10,000. Uh, people can hide in the pews and be living like dogs, okay? But when you, at least when you can examine, you can know your congregation, you go down the road, uh, rows of the church, and you know, okay, I know that one. I, where is that one? I haven't seen that one in a while. There is not a morning that I wake up that I don't wake up with somebody's face before me from my church. Okay, I pray for people everywhere. But I wake up with a burden for somebody in my particular church. And that's the, that's the role of a leader, the role of a pastor. And so don't look at it that, you know, y'all don't have what's going on and all that. That's not true at all. First of all, when you find yourself faithful to what God has appointed to you, to this building, and then you, you pray yourselves out of this building because one of the things that will cause more people to come into your ministry is that they can see it, see it real good from the street without a sign, you know. And so I know that when I go back home, I'm going to ask the Lord to uh, give you the exposure in a, a relocation this is what God has appointed to you for now. And when that time comes, it's going to come. And by the things that I'm going to be teaching this morning, I can't teach it all, but I want to get into it. I bring you greetings from Holy Temple Church of God in Christ, where my husband is pastor, and there I serve as his assistant pastor. Uh, I am 76, and I got saved when I was 14, so that's the best way to tell it. Okay. <laughs> I've been saved a minute, okay? <laughs> 
I've traveled all over this country and, and throughout parts of the West Indies, the Caribbeans, uh, Europe, uh, went 10 years straight in a row to uh, uh, minister in Germany while that pastor was there. And throughout different parts, London, England, just, you know, you name it everywhere. The only place, let me see, I haven't been, I haven't been to uh, South Dakota and North Dakota. I think those are two places, and Alaska, and I do want to go there also to preach the gospel. And so it, it has been a wonderful experience. Now, I've been preaching and traveling for 40 years. For 40 years I've been traveling. But before that, I was actively winning souls, okay? Actively winning souls. And that's the important thing. You don't have to be a pastor or a preacher uh, or in the fivefold ministry in order to be a soul winner. Souls was something that God placed on my heart when I got saved at age 14. My mother was a great soul winner. Uh, my father was the pastor of the church that I grew up in. But my mother, she never was a preacher. She didn't preach uh, the gospel at all, but you could not beat her for the gift of discernment and a prayer warrior second to none until she was 95 years of age and she just plain died from old age, not from anything. She won the battle with cancer and almost anything else that you could think of. Uh, and that was the thing that inspired me, her love for people, her love for people and witnessing the people. So that just kind of trans. Uh, uh, imposed itself upon me, and I just wanted to be a soul winner. Preaching, I, I didn't want no parts of that. I wanted a perfectly normal family where you came to church and went home and that was it, and not go through all the changes that a leader has to go through uh, in looking out for your souls. And so I hope you are praying for them. I believe that you are, but I want you to take prayer for your leaders to another level of prayer uh, and for this church here, that God would use you all for his glory to attract other young people uh, as a young man. Uh, what's your name, son? Daniel. Daniel, bless his heart. I, I caught a glimpse of him last Friday night. How many of y'all were there last Friday night? All right, amen. So we're going to go back in that, and we're going to go into it in a slightly uh, a more expansive way. But uh, listening to Daniel's testimony and, and what have you and other people that are in here, how God drew them to Pastor D, who is firm, fixed in the convictions and the doctrines of the word of God. There's a lot of false and crazy stuff out here now, okay? And uh, I, when you hear it, you're with the Father. You have the Father in you. And when you hear something that is untrue scripturally, there will be a witness inside of you to go, uh-uh, no, that just don't, that doesn't sound right. And so don't ever try to push that away. Intuition doesn't have a voice, but there will never be a time that intuition doesn't speak up. So when you feel this in here like, mm, I don't know, go with it. Just go with it. You know, that's all I can say. Just go with it. All right, turn your Bible to Acts, the first chapter. And I want to go there, Acts, the fourth chapter, first chapter, and uh, we're going to go to the fourth verse. We're going to start there, okay? All right. 
And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with the water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And then it goes over to the eighth verse, which is so important. And uh, as long as I have been saved and, and, and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost the day that I got saved, God is opening my eyes up to things that I had not seen or understood in the manner that I am understanding it now about the power of the Holy Ghost. And it says in that eighth verse, literally, it means that. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the world. Jerusalem, that's your house. That's where you are. Your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your husband, your wife. You know, it, Judea, from Jerusalem into all Judea. That's where you get your hair cut, your hair done, your nail salon. That's a wonderful opportunity. When I go to get my nails done, for at least a half an hour, that girl is, I'm laying hands on that girl. Because she holding my hand. And I'm sitting right there, praying in the spirit inside myself. God speak to her. God witness to her through me. Open the door that I can say something about Jesus. When people are, you guys, you're getting your hair cut. That man's got his hands on your head. That's anointed. Your anointed head. All right? Because you are saved. There are many ways. There are soft witnesses and then there are hard witnesses. When I say soft, you're just letting him touch your head and dust it off, and you're saying, Holy Ghost, jump on him. Lord, let him start thinking about you. And most of the time, at least 50% of the time when I'm doing that, that person will say, you know, I haven't been to church lately. That's my open door right there, you know. You look, always ask God to give you an open door, and then you go right in that door when that door opens, all right? And don't re, don't uh, be afraid to. And uh, I'll just share with you. Y'all see me some other time. It's my time to come in and just, and just share with you. All right. It says you shall receive power. The enemy will try to make you think that you're inadequate that you really don't know what to say or how to get a witness across to somebody. I was in a supermarket line, oh, this goes back many years ago, in uh, Holland Park, where I used to live. Holland, anybody know anything about Holland Park? New all righty, I used to live on 8th Avenue, okay? Uh-huh, all right, there. So anyhow, I was in, uh, in the supermarket, and uh, a girl was in front of me. And this girl, I knew her, she was a friend of a coworker of mine. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, witness to her. Well, back then, I wasn't, I wasn't extremely courageous. You know, I passed out tracks, but I didn't quite know how to have my courage up to hit you on a one-on-one. -on -one. This is a whole lot of years ago, okay? And so I said, now, how do I do this? And she was having her groceries checked out. And I told the Lord, I, I made a deal with him, so to speak. I said, I'll go to her house. I'll get my coworker to take me to her house next week, and I will share Jesus Christ with her. And I didn't witness to that woman. Within a week and a few days, she was dead. At 31, she had some kind of heart disorder, and she died in her sleep right in her house. 
from, I have never forgotten that in my life. And I thought about it during the week, and I said, Lord, I'll go, I'll go. Now, I hope she made it, and I hope God had some other courageous witness to say something to her during the last week and a half of her life. But I missed my opportunity because I didn't have the courage or the boldness. But this Bible says here in this eighth verse, it says, but ye shall have power. Okay? Have power. Now, you all have the advantage that we did not have. Well, for myself, you, you have an advantage that I didn't have. It wasn't taught about the Holy Ghost the way it is taught about today. And the, the bold, you know what I'm talking about, right? It wasn't taught like that. It was more or less you spoke in tongue because it was evidence that you had received the Holy Ghost, which is true, but there's more to it than that. Let's go to the second chapter of Acts. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, first verse, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, and then you can read this as your personal devotion uh, during the course of the week. Read the entire chapter. I want to go back now to um, Acts, I'm sorry, the book of St. John, the 15th chapter. Let's go there. Just write these scriptures down because i got a number of scriptures I want to go over uh, to just touch on a little bit, okay? St. John, the 15th chapter, and let's go to the 15th verse. Now, when you get saved, first of all, before you can get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have to have given your heart to the Lord. Okay, it's, it's not just going to come and jump on top of you. All right? We know that Jesus Christ was sent to earth by the father of a virgin Mary. Immaculate conception, that all of that is true. God chose a vessel, uh, uh, a young woman. She had to be somewhere between 15 and 17 years of age and uh, to, to carry the seed of God. The difference in Jesus and us is that when Jesus was born he was born again when he was born you and i are born again when we receive jesus christ as our personal savior and i came to uh, uh know that when i was 14 years of age i had listened to uh the messages about salvation all my life but being a pk kid i had this little streak in me that wanted to party i just wanted to party now i don't know what a party was because you couldn't in, back in my day, if you thought about it, it was wrong. Okay? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Y'all have all the freedom in the world. I mean, I don't see a thing in the world wrong with dancing. Now, now we're not talking about dropping it like it's hot <laughs> and, and twerking and all that other crazy stuff. No, that, that's it. And you're not going to be, I don't think you should be out there. I know you shouldn't be out there dancing to anything Snoop Dogg got out there. Okay? Because Proverbs is very clear. It tells us not to desire the dainties of them whose hearts are not with you. Okay, that's it. That I, I'll show you that. It's in Corinthians. So, I mean, all that other kind of stuff, you got to get that stuff out of your system. I'm not going to finish this today, but I'm going to share some experiences with you. 
uh, because I just love the music of the world. And uh, uh, I'm like, and of course, you couldn't have no kind of music back in my day. Uh, okay, here, just a brief. Put up uh, Proverbs, the 23rd, 23rd proverb, okay? And I'll give you an experience. Because once you give your heart to the Lord, uh, the power of God was so great in our church that Sunday morning because the saints had been on a 72-hour shut-in. And uh, uh, they were, uh, the power of God was great because they, they were really sincere people, fasted and prayed and loved the Lord. And so uh, they called me to the altar. I didn't want to go to the altar, but out of obedience, I, my father called me. He said, come up to this altar. And the power of God was so great there, which is what went forth with the young people, with the people in the church because of their love and devotion towards God. And so the power of God just fell on me. And when I came to myself, as I stated the other week, I was saying, save me, Jesus, save me, Jesus. And the Lord saved me. Somewhere in the next 45 minutes, by the time they picked me up off the floor, I was speaking in tongues, but I misinterpreted it. I didn't realize that I had received the power to get the other thoughts out of my mind, the party thoughts out, okay? Now, what did leave me, there are some things, sanctification is instantaneous, progressive, and complete. It's instant when you, you get washed and dipped in the blood of Jesus, you are instantly sanctified, okay? But then progressively, every day, I decide, uh, well, that wasn't my thing, but you know, you start, you cut out the drinking, you cut out this, that, that, and the other, those things, you, some things you have to cut out, some of them will leave you. Well, I hadn't been, I wasn't grown, so I wasn't involved in the world, so I didn't have those things to go, uh, get them out of my life. But one of the things that I had a tremendous fear of was death. And after I got saved, uh, I noticed it was about two weeks later, I had no need to have a nightlight. I didn't think about uh, being in a coffin. I don't ask me where that, I do kind of know where it came from. But those things automatically left me. But the party thing didn't leave me right away, okay? Back in my day, there was a song. I can't think of the guy's name, but Lean On Me. Bill Withers. Oh, I thought he had the smoothest voice in the world, in the world, okay? And I just loved what he was singing. That song, Lean On Me, When You're uh, In Doubt, You Know, I'll Be Your Friend. And what was so uh, comical about it for me, uh, coming back home from work, I was coming home from work up in Kearney, New Jersey, to Highland Park. And it was the traffic jams on the turnpike and all that kind of stuff. And I, no offense, please, no offense, I never have liked quartets. They didn't have all this good, you know, praise and worship music that y'all have today. And so I didn't want to listen to uh, who's over yonder dressed in white and must be the children that, of the Israelites. And I was like, no, no, this, this not, it's not doing it for me. It's just not doing it for me. So also in my day, you had buttons that you punched on your car to get another station on your radio, okay? A few of y'all know what I'm talking about, all right? So I just went over there and I hit a button. And there was Bill Withers. And I was like, oh, God, I got to get away from the song of Jesus. I got to get away from the song. So it says, uh, lean on me. 
I went to the other end of the button and I hit that and it said, when you're in doubt, I'm like, oh God. So I hit it in the middle. It said, I'll be your friend. I hit that thing at least four or five times, but everywhere I hit it, it came up simultaneously with the same song. Now, this is my belief, okay? I believe that the devil was sitting on my antenna. I don't believe nobody else's radio was playing that song on every single station, okay? I don't believe it. And I finally, I just turned the radio off. I said, I'll ride in silence, but Lord, please take this idea. I want to go to the party. Please get it out of my mind, all this other kind of stuff. My friends in school, you know, at growing up, it was something else. And one night, I'm sitting here looking through the Bible. I open up my Bible. I said, speak to me. That's not how you study the Bible. But that's what I did that particular night. And the 23rd proverb, go to the sixth verse. See it? Got it up on the monitor? Sixth verse. Okay. Eat not the bread of him who hath an evil eye. Okay? Desire not his dainty meats. Eat not the bread of him that hath an evil eye. Bill Withers, I don't know what he ever did before he died, but he was a very worldly man, wrote some books that were very provocative, that would push you towards sin. And it said, don't eat the breads of him that hath an evil eye. Neither desire thou he, his dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he, to thee. But his heart is not with thee. See, there's a spirit behind everything that anybody does. And so what's coming out of that artist, what has to come out of them, is what's in them. Okay? It's, and now it says, eat and drink not. Drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. The morsel which thou hast eaten shall thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. It's going to mess with your spirit. And it says, remove not the old landmarks and enter not into the field of the fatherless. That person doesn't have father God as their father. You and I do. So when you first get saved or you're trying to sanctify yourself and get rid of things uh, uh, that are not, that you feel that God wouldn't have you to be pleased with, okay? And let me say something else to you. Uh, I didn't mean to go this way. We are black people. Some of you might be Caribbean, some might be Hispanic, but we're black people. All in, oh, we black, okay? If you go all the way back in history, the blacks, we're heathens. We're heathens. So we naturally gravitate towards music that incites the flesh. Okay? That's why we have to keep it where, where uh, uh, the worship music is concerned and the Christian music. Y'all got enough crossover music that you can just, y'all can live forever. You'd have died if you came through my time, all right? You'd have just hauled <laughs> off and died. You didn't say, I give up, I'm just going to die, all right? So that, that's where it's at. That scripture blew me away. Now let's get on back over to where I was in the 15th chapter of St. John's. And it says this here. 
because we have a new covenant. We're now in the vine of Christ. He says in that seventh verse of the 15th chapter, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And then it goes down a little further. In the 10th verse it says, And if you keep my commandments and shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, these things have I spoken unto you that your, my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. Now go to the 15th verse. It says, Henceforth, I call you not servants. That's the relationship that we have with Father God. We're not servants, he says. He says, knowing, knoweth not what the Lord doeth. A servant doesn't know what the Lord does. But I have called you friends. For all things have I heard of my Father. I have made them known unto you. I've taken you into the intimate place of the relationship that Jesus Christ had with his Father. You're not just servant. Go get the water. Go get this. Da, da, da. No, I call you friends. That's the relationship that we have with the Father, okay? And it says in that, uh, all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. 16th verse. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask... The father of the father in my name, he may give it to you. Now, let me get on into further about the Holy Ghost. All right. You're praising God. It's another language. It's a grace gift that God gives to the believer. And one of the things the enemy has been so able to destroy is the controversy. There are churches where I've gone to down through the years where I taught about the Holy Ghost only never to be invited to that church again because I taught about the Holy Ghost. The devil doesn't want you to have it, and then if you do get it, he doesn't want you to realize the value of what you have of speaking in other tongues. A lot of the Pentecostal denominations, one of the, some Pentecostal denominations, well, let's say this. A lot of the Baptists and Methodists, thank God for this day that we're living in, you have spirit-filled Baptists. Yes. And uh, Paul Morton, God used him to really start a movement to help that. But a lot of them don't really believe in, in speaking in other tongues. You have some Pentecostal denominations that do not believe that you are even saved until you speak in tongues. That is totally erroneous. Okay, because people are sitting in church for two years living under condemnation because they don't have victory in different parts of our lives until they thinking, oh, I'm never going to get it. And they just thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That is so much erroneous things that have been taught to people that have made life hard for them. Then you have some uh, uh, that believe that you got that you speak, but you speak just one time. You don't have to, uh, it's not a gift to use. It's another language where you speak and you might not know what you're saying. And it is a language that you have not learned in any form of education, uh, institutions, or by your family members. It will not be Spanish if you are Spanish. It will not be, now it could be some old uh, um, 
language that spoke in some parts of uh, way away somewhere. Uh, example, there was a, I go to Hawaii almost every year because we got a time sharing there. And there's a church there that we that I preach at. My husband and I both teach and preach there every time we go, almost the whole time. And there was a young man there that died. He was saved. I, I forgot what happened to him, but he was sick for a while. And when uh, he was passing in his last hours, he began to speak in another language. It was a Hawaiian language, but it was the oldest form of Hawaiian language on the island of Kauai. There was somebody old, very, very old, that was there when it happened. He did not know that original Hawaiian language, but he spoke in tongues upon his crossing over to Jordan, okay? And so it will not be a language that it bypasses the speech control center of the brain and speaks through our lips something that we have not learned. It is the perfect prayer. And okay, let's go to Romans, the seventh chapter and the sixth verse. Romans, the seventh chapter and the sixth verse. It says, I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic. It says, but now we are discarded from the law and have terminated all intercourse with it, having died to what once restrained and held us captive. So now we serve not under obedience to the old code of written regulations, but under obedience to the prompting of the spirit in newness of life. In other words, the old covenant that, was, that they had in the Old Testament and the part of a few chapters into the New Testament is abolished. The new covenant that we are under is the covenant of grace of being saved, accepting Jesus Christ. How wonderful that is. I look at all the fantastic work that the prophets did in the Old Testament, and they never experienced what you and I experienced with the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Ghost would come upon them for a period of time. And in the Old Testament, it said they spoke with stammering, ta -da 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 -da, right. stammering tongues. But they did not. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know what I said, but God knows what I said. But I guarantee you, it was something for your growth. Something for your growth. Why? Is Because that's so important to me. The Lord told me I would, he added 20 years to my life, which for sure I should be here until I'm 91. Plus whatever other time that was already appointed to me, God said, I add 20 years to your life. I have one desire. I, the one desire is to see as many people save as possible. But in this terrible time that you guys are living in, while it is yet glorious, that God has called you from darkness into light. You are living in such a counterfeit age. Such a counterfeit. There is so much crooked. There's more crookedness up in pulpits than as much crookedness as people robbing folks in the subways and through the streets and all this other kind of stuff. 
And so wickedness is going to get worse and worse. I, I mean, every time I look at, I can't hardly look at the news. And I used to be a devout news watcher and what have you. But to see people walking up to somebody in their 70s and 60s, hitting them so hard, sucker punching them so hard until the bones in their face are broken just to take their phones and their purses and things like that. How could you kill a kid? How could you molest somebody? How could, how, scam calls all over the place. It is so wicked today until, and the war, I was looking at the, the Turks and the Kurds, and I'm looking at these children that are being burned up by the poison gas. And this little boy, he looked like he might have been a little smaller than your son. And he's sitting there screaming in pain, and you see all this scarring taking place on his body. And we here in America, America was raised up for one purpose, for the proclamation of the gospel to go forth to the entire world. To the entire world. And what is the church is over here with, I want to be great. I want to be, I want to apostle this name. I want an archbishop. It wasn't enough to be a bishop. Now you got to be an archbishop. You, you got to be whatever. Listen, don't fight for titles. Don't look for that. You, my father taught this. He said, we first do well to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, you can call me Mom Graham, you can call me Evangelist Graham, you can call me Pastor Graham, you can call me Sister Graham. Long as you give me a good microphone. That's all I need. If I got a good mic, you're going to hear me. You can put me at the back door. I done been through the, all the ropes in the, congr in the denominations where, where God raised me up to be some of the one of the first women to go through pulpits that had never had women in their pulpits. That was part of my purpose, all right? And so seeing that, I've done prison ministry work for 14 straight years. Uh, uh, they let me walk in uh, Clinton uh, Correctional Institution in, uh, uh, what do they call it, solitary confinement and everything. I was allowed to walk in there by myself for years, just walking up and down the aisle with the cells. All they could do is stick their hand out because all they let out at one time was one person to walk up and down that corridor. And they got to walk up and down there about an hour once a day. And I mean, they, they were so furious and the rage that was in them, they were punching, the woman was punching the walls and all that kind of stuff. And I'm, she down there and I'm here and I'm like, oh, shut up, under. Oh God, Jesus have mercy. And she about six feet tall, big, look like a man, and all that other kind of stuff. And I'm like, what I'm going to do up in here? Except I didn't, I wasn't afraid because I knew what I was called to do. Amen. That woman got next to me, bowed her head, and said, God bless you, something to that effect. And the guard cursed and cursed, and she heard the guard curse. She cussed that guard out so hard. She said, shut your bling, 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 rubber bliffer mouth. Okay, don't you see that good woman over there? I didn't come in there telling her I was saved. I'm just walking down the aisle. I greeted her and said, hello, how you doing? You know, going to give her a track and talk to her. I said that to say this. My heart is so broken with what I see today. And there's only a handful of folk like me left. 
that's God's honest truth. I'm going to be all, I'm going to bring it all to you today, okay? Now, only a handful of us left. And what's out there now is so counterfeit until it's not even funny. And it's, it's just flesh and the sodomites have taken over the churches. And, and I'm looking at the people sitting in the audience and they're so hungry for God. But the, the, the sodomites have invaded the pulpits, the, the congregations and, and everything else. God wants to save everybody. It does not matter what you have been in. It doesn't matter what took place in your life. The power of change comes with the new covenant. The moment you say, God, save my soul. For the word says, for whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not maybe according to, well, if you, you had three abortions, then you can't be saved. That's a lie. If, if, if Jesse Dahmer was able to get saved with all the people that he killed as a serial killer, but he gave his heart to the Lord in the end, and how they went, he's the one where they, they killed him in, in prison, and they, they severed his head from his body with a, a mop, okay? And they talked about how he willingly let them kill him because his first victim, that's what he did to that young man. He cut his head off. You, you know about his son, right? And so, but he gave his heart. A demonic force had got inside of him. There are demons walking. Oh, God, help me to condense this. I'm a dreamer. I'm a seer. God shows me things ahead of time. When I first started seeing things, I told everybody about it right then because I thought it was going to happen the next day. I didn't know that God was going to show me things way ahead of time to preach, to tell the people to be built up, uh, to be careful and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, and stay with God and win all the souls you can. So then it kind of came out like, well, this lady, you know, she's getting older, she's getting a little nutty. But the things, the, some of the things I've told the Church of Jesus Christ all around everywhere, because I tell them all, have come to pass. I saw the floods where that water filled the Holland Tunnel and the uh, uh, Lincoln Tunnel. I saw that. I preached about it almost everywhere, okay? And it finally it happened. I'm not happy about it happening because I'm here. There will eventually be war in the United States. I will probably be alive. That is not something I'm looking forward to. That's why congregations, little uh, relationship places like you have here are my great desire. Because if I can inspire you for what? I want you to have the same desire that God gave me to win every single soul that I can to Jesus Christ. And I started at it when I wasn't preaching. I gave my whole self to God when I was 20 or 21, just about 20 years of age. Before that, I was kind of up, kind of down. You know, I still hadn't gotten that want to party a little bit. And I had a little uh, a year backslide, and I lost my mind temporarily. You know, went to a couple of clubs and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'd be sitting at the club, and, you know, I just couldn't get with it because liquor just, I don't like the way it tastes. I don't, I'm smoking, it just didn't do it for me and all of that because I wasn't supposed to be there. And one night at the club, a man sat down next to me and the girls that were together, and he looked at me and he said, 
you don't belong in here. What made him say? He might have been an angel chasing me out of there. I'm walking down the street with a bunch of girls, you know, and uh, 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 I probably was about 18 then because that was my little backsliding stage there. And there was an old lady, one of them old kind with the white uniform, usher's uniform on and the white head rag on the head. And, and you know, and she had her tamarind and she's banging on it and everything. And we went to walking by and I wouldn't even look at her good because, you know, I knew I was out the will of God. And so by the time I got there, she, that long arm she had reached out in that crowd of four and grabbed me. She said, are you saved? Well, you would have thought Jesus said grab me. I'm like, I'm going to faint here. Why did she grab me? Because I belong to the Lord. And God was saying, hurry up and get out of this filth and get back over here where you are what your purpose for being on the earth is. Every last one of you that are in here today has a purpose. God says in, in his word, he says, I know my thoughts towards you. I have a purpose, a plan for your life, all right, and a good and an expected end. That's the reason that you were born. The moment you were born, it was, it, I don't care if you know your father, don't know your father. It doesn't have anything to do with it. God saw fit for you to come to the planet Earth. Amen. My mother could not have children for 45, she was 45 years old when I was born. From 18 to 45, she wanted a child while she was married. And no child, they told her, you'll never have a child. God gave, put me in her uterus at age 45 and then told her that if they didn't let, she didn't let them abort me, that I would be stillborn and she would die in childbirth. Well, I'm 76 and mom lived to be 95. All right, wasn't nothing wrong with either one of us. All right? Why? Because it took those years of prayer and the courage and the boldness to be in her life and the, the, the record that she set with God so that when I was conceived, I was right in there with her Holy Ghost boldness. Now, that's one thing I got is courage. You ain't going to push me to the side. <laughs> You don't want that. <laughs> I'll say, but I shall stand up to you, all right? <laughs> Ain't no joke about that. But uh, that's, there's a time for your child to be born. There's a purpose. I had to come at the age that I, in the year that I was supposed to be born because God needed me as a forerunner to set that pace that women were called just like men. So there's a purpose for you. If you were in jail, if you were in drugs, if you were in the gay life, it does not matter. The devil set in on you because he saw your purpose. Now, he, he can't read the mind of God. But what he does is this. He can look at the angels that go with you. While he sees the kind of angels that are walking with you and around you, angel, there's more angels in this place than there are of us. Amen. There are thousands of angels that go with every single believer. And I can prove that to you. I don't have time to do it today. So when you see 
when they, the devil sees what God's plan with the angels that are walking with you, they walk with you in that jail. They walk with you in the drug zone. They walk with you in the gang violence. They walk with you while you were a drug lord. They walk with you while you were clean but mean. They walk with you in the abortion clinic. They saw you because you still had purpose. And so the devil set out with everything to destroy I was born with chronic asthma, was in the hospital almost every other week until I was eight years old, until mom brought home a, one of the older gentlemen that had a, a gift of healing, Elder Goodjohn from my home church. And he came home with mama after morning service and he said, daughter, do you believe if I pray for you that God will heal you and you'll never have another asthma attack? I was an eight-year-old kid, so sure I believe. To have eight-year-old faith, all of us need it. To simply believe that God will open the Red Sea no matter what you got to encounter. He will open your Red Sea. And so when, when he prayed for me, he said, now I want you to give the Lord thanks at least once a day. From that day to this day, I have never had an asthma attack. I would not have been able to preach the gospel with the kind of asthma that I had. So that don't agree with what the enemy hits your body with. Don't agree with being down and out. Don't agree with epilepsy. Don't agree with anything. My mother didn't agree with leukemia, lung cancer, the whole nine yards. God healed her over a, a period of 30 days till her body started making clean, pure, cancer-free blood. And she lived 45 more years. Never had a relapse all these things. So anyway, in Romans, the, um, I read that one. It's talking about the new covenant. Now here, Jesus said, I, 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 he, remember in the first chapter of Acts, he told him, he said, do not go, depart from Jerusalem. Go back to Jerusalem. He met him out there on the road. He just walked up to him and started talking to him. He said, and stay there till you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, okay? And it literally is a gift. It's what God wants you to have. So they went there in the upper room and stayed for 10 days singing praise. I call it 10 days of being on one accord. Now, the best way for your church to grow is you got to be on one accord. Okay, you don't have but one pastor in the church. Okay, uh, okay, I don't want that. And that's what's out here today. Turn to John 16 and 7. It says... In that, in John 16, the seventh verse, it says, however, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the in intercessor, the strengthener, the standby, will not come to you. If I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. And when he comes, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about sin and about righteousness. So that's what the Holy Ghost comes and does. Now what the devil does and, and personal doctrines that many churches are out here and don't make emphasis on is that you, oh, praise God. I get real excited and I say a couple of words in tongues. God wants you to speak in tongues 
every day of your life. Every day of your life, all right? During it, you don't have to be loud with it, and sometimes it will come very strong. But he wants you to speak with it on a continuous basis, okay? Uh, let, let me show you this. Pull it up on your monitor. Matthew, the third chapter, and the 13th through the 17th verse. Matthew 3. Got it. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. No, you're on John 16. I want you to go to Matthew, the third chapter. Okay, Matthew, third chapter, and go to the 13th verse. All right, we're going to go from that through the 17th. It said, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized of him. But John forbid him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And cometh thou to me? And Jesus answered, ring, saith, said unto him, suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill the righteousness. Then let's go to the next verse. Then John baptized. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, watch this. Look at this. The heavens were opened unto him. All of a sudden, the clouds went back. There came a straight path from the third heaven where God was straight down to where Jesus is after he got submerged in the water. And uh, uh, water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove. And, and lighting upon Jesus. John saw this thing. The people saw it. And lighting upon him. And a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What does this prove to you right there? That's the trinity right there. The heavens open up. The Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. And lights upon Jesus, just sits, rests upon him or above him, however you want to look at it. And a voice comes. That's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, what I want to prove to you here is this. That was when Jesus received the baptism of speaking in other tongues. The Bible does not say it there, but in the New Testament. I also, I don't know whether it's Matthew, Mark, or Luke, but when Jesus was on the cross being crucified, there's only one place that you hear where he says, Lama, Lama, Sabathian, okay, which means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why, while he's speaking in English everywhere else, why does he go to Lama, Lama, Sabathian? It is the oldest form of aromatic language, the oldest form of Hebrew. That was not what Jesus spoke for his day. He speaks in tongues. He would not tell you and I to speak in tongues unless he had done it. I don't tell you to do something that my father has not told me to do. And whatever my father told me to do, that's what I do. The Holy Ghost came down upon him. You can get the Holy Ghost at church. You can get it sitting in a chair. You can get it lying down at night. You can get it while praise and worship is going on. You can get it while you jogging and praising God. It can come on you anywhere. All of a sudden, hey, 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 shut up. 
And some, it's another language. Now I want to give you a few experiences. Okay, now let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, and the ninth verse. While you're getting that. 1 Corinthians, second chapter. Uh, okay. Somebody out there got it. Read it until they, oh yeah, second chapter and the ninth verse. Okay, it says, "But as it is written, eyes have not seen, neither ear heard, neither have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for him that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by the Holy, by the Spirit." For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Next verse. For what man knoweth the things, okay, is that the 11th? What verse did I tell you all to go to? 29th. I need the 10th verse. Okay, is that the 10th one? Okay. But it's written, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither into the hearts of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by the Spirit, for the Spirit searches the deep things of God. That's the 10th. Let's go to the 11th. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man, which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man. Your human self cannot figure out God, okay? The, 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 the natural man receiveth not the things of God because they are spiritual and he cannot discern them. So keep that verse right there. I start off praying most of the time in English, okay? I, I go in my Jerusalem. God, I have a granddaughter that needs very much to be saved, and the devil is determined to destroy that child. So I go in and I say, oh, God, bring that child out. Bring her out, God. Don't let the devil have his way with that child. You might go to praying for your husband, your wife, your sister, your brother. Then I go from there all the way out when I finish praying for my children. Unless God has put a specific person on my heart to pray, they're going to get in front of my children. But I'm always pray for my children, okay? Pray for my husband. Pray for his strength. And God, you know, give me clarity. And you know what I'm talking about. Then, uh, give a case in point. Uh, uh, I got up one morning about 5. And I was going to, uh, to the bathroom. And a voice yelled down out of heaven in my ear. It didn't wake up my husband. See, see, when God is dealing with you, he will not disturb your partner. Okay, he won't disturb your partner. All right, he won't disturb me, and I won't disturb him. I mean, he calling them in. He calling them hogs in, boy. And, uh, no, my husband's spiritual, but, I mean, that's what was going down. So I'm walking across the floor, and uh, a voice yelled out and said, Derek will die with an overdose. That's a brother. That's a young man in my church. Okay, he had problems with drugs. He will die with an overdose. I froze, and it yelled that voice down to me again. He will die with an overdose. I was so amazed how the Lord, you know, yelled that down to me. I said, oh, no. So I didn't go back. I didn't go and get in the bed. I went downstairs. I left the area altogether, went downstairs and sat 
in the family room in my chair, and I prayed, and I said, I bind it, I bind it in the mighty name of Jesus. No weapon formed against him. I come against the bloodline curses. And I sat there until 7.30 when I figured his parents were up going to work. So I called his parents and told them what the Spirit of God had said to me. Now, how would my natural mind know that? Okay? But the natural man, we only know, I can see over here, but I can't see on the other side of that wall. I don't know what's happening down the street. But the Spirit maketh intercession. Now, I have three children. My oldest daughter became addicted to drugs. And that's why Anita is doing that great work that she's doing, preaching for everybody on the sun from Jake's to everywhere else, uh, because she does a fantastic piece on black mental health. And, but she, God has always dealt with her scientifically from the word of God. Scientifically, she sees it, the word like that. And so there is a part of the brain that we have uh, that... It's, it's a proven test. Uh, 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 Dr. Carl Peterson, I believe it is. I got to hear my notes. Okay. Uh, Carl Peterson. There's a part of the brain that releases endorphins, and it's called the amygdala. amygdala okay. And it's actually like an upside-down crown. And what happens here, it is 200 times more powerful than morphine. They... Uh, put tapes on people to experiment to find out about it. When a person, it only basically responds when you speak in tongues. And from 20 to 30 minutes of speaking in tongues, it releases, what is all the stuff it releases? It releases endorphins. uh, uh, It quickens the immune and the nervous system. And it releases healing to the body. Praying in tongues. Now, when you pray in English, you pray the word. Okay? You pray the word. Now, I'm going to show you something here. Where is that? Isaiah 59. You don't have to turn to it. I'm going to turn to it. Isaiah 59. Here it is. Come here, son. You're going to be my witness. Okay. What does that say? SG Covenant. What year you see there? 1981. Verse what? Um, it says Isaiah 5921. 5921. Thank you. In 19, I've had this Bible since longer than 1981. But however, it's one of the last gifts my dad gave me. And so here it says in the 21st verse. As for me, this is my covenant with thee, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of my mouth, nor out of the mouth of my seed, nor out of the mouth of my seed, seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. Five days, uh, my daughter, when when she first got sick, And we put her in the hospital trying to get her straightened out. A kid at age 12, another kid gave her a reefer at church. Okay? Now, some things you're going to know, but there'll be some things you don't know. But if you got a congregation where everybody's praying in the spirit, what you don't know, God will tell somebody else 
that can tell you. I don't know everything. Some things I learn because God's servants speak to me. And I speak to them. I didn't know that. But we started seeing a strange reaction on her. And she was became very rebellious and, and strange and all that kind of stuff. And so I went up to... I went up to uh, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to be in prayer, okay? And because uh, she was in the hospital and I didn't know what else to do, I said, God. So when my friend went out to work, her husband was a principal and she was a teacher, what I did was, as soon as they left the house, I went to the family room, I took my Bible. I fasted all day long and I prayed for an hour and I read the Bible for an hour. Okay? God, give peace to the children. In the name of Jesus, give peace to the children. While I'm prep, hour from 8, 8 o'clock, I'm praying. 9 o'clock, I'm reading the word. 10 o'clock, I'm praying. 11 o'clock, I'm reading the word for the next hour. On the fifth day of this fasting and praying, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all of a sudden, when I was reading the Bible, this is the scripture that my eyes were reading. I was reading in Isaiah, not just randomly reading. I was just reading through the Bible straight. And it, and it says, and it, this is my covenant. As for me, this is my covenant with thee, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth. I don't care what kind of trial and test you have. You have a covenant with God. No matter what the devil tries to fight you with, it, he can't kill you. He cannot destroy you, okay? As I put in thy mouth, will not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, my immediate children, nor the mouth of my grandchildren, or my great-grandchildren, for henceforth. I have held this scripture since 1981. When my daughter passed three years ago, she, had, she died saved. Six good years God gave her. We didn't find out until two years before that she had a hormonal imbalance. An old doctor at the clinic said, I, I just think something else is wrong. You're just not addicted. Ran these tests and saw that her hormones, she didn't have the hormone that went to the brain to say enough. So she could eat a half a cake. Okay? Or she could... She could take more marijuana than any guy in the street because she didn't have the hormone to cut off like I'm high. It's enough. So that's the way the enemy. Now, if she had had the opportunity, she would have been a prophet second to none because she could tell whatever she told you, it came to pass. She could look at someone and say, Mommy, Daddy, be careful. That's not a believer. They will do you, and it would never go wrong, all right? So what am I saying? God promised me that, and she died saved, but I had to hold the scripture. So you start praying in the word first. The Bible says this is the confidence that you can have in him, who? God. That if you ask anything, if you ask anything according to his will, now, he ain't going to give you somebody else's husband or wife or somebody else's house or their car. He ain't going to give you that, okay? But if you ask anything, it's his will for us to be healed. 
It's his will for you to prosper. Now, I understand. I understand, Pastor D. Y'all need to tithe. Okay? When you have young pastors like that, they, they, feel, they feel sorry for the congregation. But if you don't tithe, you ain't never going to have nothing. The Bible is straight up. It said, I will cut holes in your pocket. Okay? He says, if you tithe, read Deuteronomy when you go home, 28. I'll bless you in the city. I'll bless you in the field. I'll bless you going out. I'll bless you coming in. I'll bless your basket. I'll bless your barrel. I'll bless your kids. I'll bless the fruit of your vine. I'll bless, bless the bless. All right? All of a sudden, this last couple of weeks, my husband and I, we got hit with $10,000. My car is $2,600 to be fixed, and that's better than buying a new one. And I, at my age, I'm going on with Jesus with that one. Uh, that's it. Me and you, sister. We right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. That kind of thing. See, it, it ain't totally out yet. See, so <laughs> All right, that. Uh, 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 had to save her, twenty five hundred. Anyway, uh, tuition for a class my husband's taking, mounted up to just about two to ten thousand dollars. Am I worried? No. Why? Cause I'm a tither. I'm a tither. He said, "I'll open the windows of heaven, pour out for you a blessing, and that not enough." Okay, that's straight up. Yes, you do have to make some confession. But all the years that we weren't making confessions about tithes, I still got money. Amen. Because the principle of tithing works. It, the money will come and find you. I can walk in a store. Salespeople will step over themselves to help me. Get, pull a coupon out from underneath the cash register and give it to me. The, the, I had something done at the house. The contractor, he said, please. Don't tell nobody what you paid for this. Every time we go and get a car, the salespeople tell my husband, we, the general manager of the place has loved my husband for, he didn't, since my car cost $2,600, he wouldn't even charge him for the $1,000 that his car had to be fixed, the old one. Favor. Tithing. What you don't realize, there's a great big T. Are written straight down the front of you and down the back of you. And when you walk in somewhere, they don't know why they blessing you. Yes. <laughs> Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Tithing works because, first of all, when you tithe, you have a tendency to budget the rest of your money. And tithes is not like this. Well, I got uh, 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 tithes. Okay, I've got $96 worth of tithes to pay this week. So I'm going to give uh, $20 to the pastor, uh, $30 to the church, uh, $5 to the mission, uh, so-and-so to the... No, straight up. Tithes and what? Offering. Offering. You don't divide them tithes up. You put that whole 96 bucks in the tithes slot right there. Then you put an offering in there for the church. Amen. I'm telling you, I had a bill that I didn't want to have because it was too much interest. This was in the year 2001, and some of, some of y'all might have heard about it. it, it uh, the bill was $10,000, and I went to God. I said, okay, I don't want to pay this bill because the interest rate is too high over a period of time. I said, I'm going to give you a tithe off the bill. Oh, 
So $10,000 is a thousand. That's a tithe off of my debt. I went to church and I was going to put it in an envelope like the young man gave me an envelope. I was just going to put that $1,000 in there and just nobody would know about it except the people in the finance room. So then I did the word. I started praying in the spirit. Father, I believe and I receive. You said you would open the windows of heaven. And I'm visualizing all that debt, you know, all that kind of stuff. What I didn't know was I was tapping into God's plan because I was acting in faith. I didn't try. Now, where am I going to get $10,000? And here go the devil on your shoulder. Well, you could have put that 1000 on the bill. Now, you don't threw it out there. As soon as the money went on table. Honey, how many people know the devil will talk to you? What time y'all get out of church? No, I can't do that. <laughs> I want y'all to hear me again. I don't want you to be like diving under the chairs when I come again. <laughs> so anyhow, I'm speaking in tongues. I'm believing that I'm receiving. And so the Lord said, don't put it in a secret. Teach the people by example. I said, God, but now you ever get real stupid? Real stupid. I'm saying, but you said that my father that seeth in secret would reward me openly. I'm going to argue with God, and God in here talking to me, telling me, don't do it in secret. Teach the people by example. I got up, and I told them what I was doing. I said, I'm paying $1,000. I gave a tenth on my tithe off of my debt. Put it down. That was about the second week in October in the year 2001. By the middle of November, I get a telephone call from Cedric Miller. And Cedric Miller says, uh, Mother, we want to do an appreciation service for you. And I'm like, what? What? And then I went off. Off on him. You can't buy me. I'm going to still preach against sin when I get to your house. And he said, no, no, mother. They had to have one of the girls call me up and say, mother, they trying to bless you. See, I'm real careful. You ain't, I'm not for price. You can give me, you can throw all the money down here. I walk across the aisle. I'm going to still tell you dying going to hell if you're doing what you're doing. Okay. So <laughs> that's, the, I feel one thing, God. <laughs> I feel God. So they talked me into having this service. All of them came together, George C. Wright, Seth, uh, Larry Powell, Cedric Miller, uh, uh, Joel Rudolph. Who all was? I think that was Joel Rudolph also came with it. And uh, they got together. They did, they did a presentation from each one of their churches, right? Like dance or singing, something. There was no one really preached. Then they raised the offering. The first offering with everybody walking around in the building, was $17,000. Uh, Pastor Powell said, oh, this is too close. We can't stop here. Long story short, were y'all there then? I don't know. Y'all were there then? They gave again. They put, it ended up, 
I stopped counting at $25,000 because money started coming in the mail that next week. Over $25,000. They put all that money in a briefcase and put my husband and I between two guards. This guy was six foot above, big as I don't know what. They marched us out to our car, put a car in front of us, a car behind us, and went to our house. Took the briefcase, opened it on my kitchen table, and unloaded all of that money on the Do you know how good that looks? <laughs> and you owe $10,000? Oh, okay. Now, thank you, Holy Ghost, for bringing that back to mind. Because just like he did it that time, he's going to do it for this time, that right now. Okay? So, and when I really got finished being happy and I looked, it was cash was down here and checks were up here. And I said, oh, Pippin, Jordan, oh, Lord, checks going to be bouncing all over the place. Woman of faith and power. Now, God done put all this money in my hand. I'm looking at the checks going, oh, God, they're going to go start to bounce. You see how flesh, the natural man receiveth not the things of God. So what happened after that? Only one check bounced, and I think it was for $10. I didn't count that. I didn't even count that. I paid off the $10,000 bill. I paid off one or two car notes, the remaining. I paid off Macy's, J.C. Penney's, everything, every, everything you could think of, paid the tithes, gave an offering, and had about $1,600 left. And I said, what else can I pay? So then I said, this idea came to me. I can't pay the tithe off the remainder of my house mortgage because I didn't have that much. So I paid a tithe off the tithe on our mortgage. Wow. And you know what? In a few years, my house was paid for. I left all that money on the table and paid all. I didn't buy nary blouse, pair of shoes, or nothing. That's what's the problem with some of y'all. I got to get these shoes. I got to have this pocketbook. I got to, I got to, I got to be in debt if you keep doing that. Paid it all off because I did what the word said. All right? I'm going to stop bringing it in here, and I'm going to give you my last uh, experience, and I'll pick up here some other time. I was, when the years that my child was in drugs, I was laying on the sofa one day, taking a nap in between where I had to go preach that night. And I went into a dream, and in a dream, my sliding glass doors in my family room were covered with black plastic, thick black plastic. And all at once, the, it bust open, and my daughter walked through out of that plastic bag and came over to me, but she was fat and healthy. She wasn't on drugs in the dream. And she bent down, and she kissed me, and she said, hi, Mommy. I didn't, you know, question it, because I pray in the spirit every day. I've been telling that devil, you're not going to kill my kid. The devil cannot kill your loved ones if you know it. If you know it, if you don't know it, he'll run them over three times. Okay? So I jumped straight up out of my dream 
and started speaking in tongues. And I had done that many times. And I bounded and I bounded and I bounded and I speak in English and I go back into praying tongues. No, no, and I stomped that floor and I prayed. Sometimes you'll be like, hallelujah, I see that. And other times it'll be I mean, I was in warfare praying in tongues. What happened? When it dies down, when the tongues die down and praise spring up from here, you go from hallelujah, glory to your name, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, I love you, Lord, hallelujah, you might even start singing in tongues. What God wanted to be accomplished for that season of prayer is accomplished. That's how it goes. And I, I, I calmed down. We went out looking for her because we used to have to go to the drug zone up in Newark and find her, my husband and I. And we went up there and spoke to people that we had become accustomed to seeing and said, where, where is she? And they said, we'll get her. And they went in the building and they got her and she came out, sat in the car. We would sit and eat some chicken wings from the Chinese place. And that's how we would, had to communicate with her for all, a number of years. It is a miracle that I am alive and live through that. That's enough to give anybody. I ain't never had no stroke, heart attack, and nothing else. And most people can't believe my age. You see what I'm saying? The Spirit of God strengthens the physical body even before I knew that it was putting out an immune system in my system while I was praying in tongues. And I said, what happened? And she dropped her head. Long story short, and I got proof of it in 2018. She overdosed, and because she was always friendly and shared her food and shared and did everything for everybody, they wouldn't leave her in the house OD. They got out the building, called the ambulance. They came there, got her. She was dead, took her to City Hospital in Newark. Anybody know City Hospital yeah. in Newark? In the morgue, pushed her body in the morgue in a zip-up body bag. Went back in there to take somebody else's body in and heard a groan. Nurse started looking around. The attendant started looking around for the sound. Went over to where they heard that groan again, unzipped the bag. She sat up. But I'm walking around like this for however long. Get coming outside. You can't kill her. She will not die. I knew nothing good was going to come out of a black plastic bag. See, when you walk with the Lord, you learn his ways. He ain't going to throw nothing at you out of a black plastic bag. The spirit of God inside of me just knew it. Just knew it. And she lived. They, she lived eight years longer. They said her liver would be gone in two years. She lived eight more years and didn't die from the liver, died from the damage to the heart. Okay? Some other time I'll share other things with you. But... I want y'all to pray in the spirit every day. You young black men, society, and I'm not talking prejudice to you, except for the favor of God and the power of God, they're going to pass you by on that job and give it to the next guy. Okay? But if you are saved, I didn't say perfect, but I said saved, and you are judging yourself daily, saying, God, create in me a clean heart, renew in me a right spirit. Take this out of my life. God, give me favor where I work. Open up the door. My, my, one of my grandsons, uh, 
he's in his last year at Harvard, and he just got an apprenticeship, a job for starting at $100,000. Gonna be out there in Chicago. My grandson, Valerie's son, she, Valerie had a gift, money would find her. My grandson, his next uh, promotion, he'll be doing six figures and he's 28. And yes, Zaire, he came to the camp and just proposed to his girlfriend at the end of service this past Sunday at church. And guess what? She looks like our daughter. God's got, he's got even little bonuses for you. Okay? He couldn't stop me with the heartbreak. And he will not stop me now. I want you to take away from here my desire to see the lost and the dying be saved everywhere. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, receive an even greater burden for souls than you already have. An even greater desire to live for Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus. Now I'm in closing and Isaiah, I think it's the 60th chapter of Isaiah, it says when Zion travail she brought forth can a child be brought forth in one day? Conception? Carrying? No. But as soon as Zion travails, when you come together in corporate prayer and everybody leaves their problem outside, I don't care if they give you a pink slip on the job that day, leave it outside. Uh, somebody treated you wrong, check it out. Somebody go always do something to you. That's life. Don't quit that job because the devil worked there because the devil is already where you think about going. All right? Take some correction. At least the folk here know you and love you. Take some correction. You don't know what look green over there might not be too green. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody know what I'm talking about out there. Okay? Learn where you are. But as soon as Zion travails, as soon they, they were in one accord, 10 days, nights, singing and praising and fasting. And then you come together in corporate prayer. God bust out these walls. While we here in this location all over Perth Amboy, all these thousands of people walking around Perth Amboy, cause them to be drawn to this building. Cause them to walk in and just open the door, hear the praise, and come upstairs. Cause them to say, I, I got to find out what them people are doing. And cause them, Holy Spirit, to come to where you are on your job, where you live. I ain't never had to put a sign on my door at Ross Hall Boulevard to say, we serve God here. People have trouble, they just find their way up the driveway. Talk to us. Come in the backyard. Talk to us. And we share Jesus Christ with them. All right? Put this hand up. Say, Lord, Lord make, me a set, a make me a soul winner like never before. Like never before. Let, me never before. Let me fulfill the purpose that you put me in my mother's womb. Time is winding up. 
let a new energy enter into me like never before to do the will of God in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. The musicians can take their place. Glory Let's pray in the spirit and worship him. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. My soul love you, my God. My soul love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Use us for your glory, God. Use us for your glory, God. God, let the spirit of prayer jump upon this congregation, not just today, God, but each and every time they come together. Give these young people to start praying and the older ones that are here, God, you got to have some, got to have balance. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, let the spirit of God, we don't know what we should pray for, but the spirit knows what we should make intercession for. And so, Father, let bring them together in corporate prayer in the mighty name of Jesus until the jailhouse rattles. And the bars and the dens and the gambling dens and the gangs and everything. God calls a stirring to run all over Perth Amboy right now. Every nationality, every age, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Have your way, oh God. Have your way, have your way. That's right, pray. Pray in the tongues, pray in tongues. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hey, glory be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless your name, oh God. Bless your name, oh God. Bless your name, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, work a miracle for this house. God, fill it to overflowing. Make it be so that they can sit on the steps in the name of Jesus. And then, God, take them to their next location when the season of this place has ended. In the name of Jesus, I pray, oh God. God, heal those that are sick and afflicted. I take authority over the powers of sickness and disease. In Jesus' name, we cast it down. I command your bodies to be healed. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. God, let every form of ministry come out of this house. Open up prison ministry to them. Open up children's ministry. I mean, youth houses, whatever. Every form of ministry. Nursing homes, God. Every form 
of winning the loss and the dying. Let the anointing be so strong upon these people that people will wonder, what kind of folk are they? Why do I listen to them? We bless you, we bless you, we bless you, oh God. We bless you, we bless you, we bless you, oh God. We praise your name. Hallelujah. Come on, talk to him, talk to him. Speak out. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. We bless you, we bless you, we bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Wonderful Savior. Father, send your anointing in here. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your name, God. Wonderful Savior. Wonderful Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your name, O God. Do a new thing in the midst of your people, God. Let every single person become a tither. Let every single person become a tither, God. In the name of Jesus. Let every single person deem it necessary to be on time in the services, God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless your name. 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 Anoint your people on high. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Is there someone in here today that has not received Jesus as your personal Savior? raise your hand we, and you want to receive him we want you to be saved amen then you are saying that you are saved praise God thank God thank God is there someone that has never spoken in tongue and you want to God fills children too yes he does amen 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's a child, too. Lay your hand on that child. Lay your hand on that child. Okay. Lay your hand on. Father, we release the Holy Ghost to him right now by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. You are able to fill children. Little kids, just begin to say hallelujah. 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 Bless your name, O God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your name, oh God. Yes, God. Yes, God. I'm not worried concerning you. Y'all know about the Holy Ghost, so you keep on praying with your children until God fills them at home or here in the service. Amen. Amen. Now put them hands up to God and just begin to praise him with a loud voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your name, oh God. I'm going to fulfill my purpose. 
I'm a hey, glory. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So glad you saved me. So glad you included me in the family of God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes this week's message. And thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.